I have students from different countries, different levels of education, and so it's always challenging to grade papers because you don't know what they're used to and what the standards are for their schools and for their country. And so to help with that, the Institute provides an, an introduction course where they go through how do you write a paper, how do you document your sources, how do you do research, and they have to write a couple papers in that class and hopefully that prepares them for when they get to curmudgeons like me who are just going to be mean. Um, well, this last week I was grading a paper and as I was reading through it, the language seemed kind of familiar. And uh, this is in Spanish, but, uh, but so I, I checked and sure enough, it, it was taken from a familiar Bible commentary on this particular book of the Bible. But, but the student didn't just copy a paragraph, he copied the entire first chapter of this book and put it in his paper and uh, added a, 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 an introductory paragraph, a concluding paragraph, and said, this is my work. Didn't document that it was from another person, nothing. In fact, if I wouldn't have recognized it, I would have assumed that this guy is just an absolutely amazing writer who does amazing work. Well, the Institute has a very strict policy on plagiarism, and so I gave him a zero. I wrote him to tell him about his grade. He wrote me back, very frustrated. He said, I put a lot of work into that. I said, well, most of the work you did was searching for that commentary. Uh, but <laughs> uh, So we went back and forth a little bit, but, but he said he didn't deserve a zero. He deserved something more. And as I was thinking about it during this week, I thought, you know, that reminds me of something that started back in the 70s that kind of gained momentum. And it's this mentality that everybody's a winner and everybody gets a trophy. And it doesn't matter whether you put forth any effort or not. You are automatically just by showing up, you're a winner and you deserve all the accolades that you should receive. The idea was that giving trophies to every participant would build self-esteem. It was a promise of turning our kids into more successful and confident versions of themselves. I don't know whether you agree with that or not. We could argue all day long, and people do, as to whether that's accurate or whether we should um, take one position or the other. But the interesting thing is that there's a Christian version of this. And that started back in the days of Constantine. Constantine was the emperor of Rome, and when he put the first two letters of the word Christos uh, on his shield for all of his soldiers and did it in the form of a cross, his army won. And so he's the one who mandated that everyone now must become Christians because as long as we name ourselves as Christians, then God is on our side. We will win all of our battles and everything will go forward great. With God on our side, we can't lose. And, you know, that thinking has made its way into our lives today. We often think, well, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I give money, I take the Lord's Supper, and that means then we kind of have an understanding. God, you're going to save me and keep me from the really bad, gnarly, ugly stuff in the world. Well, we, we all know that it doesn't quite work that way. A corollary of this thinking is that God always gives us the victory and the verse that goes along with that thought is one that's probably the most abused scripture and text. Uh, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's applied to sports. It's applied to academics. It's applied to just about anything that you want to think of. If I believe in Jesus, I can do literally anything. Now, what does this triumphalism have to do 
with us today? Well, because today's text comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And it too has been taken out of context to suggest that Christians always triumph in everything. Now, Paul is going to talk about triumphing. But I want to make sure we understand the context and the bigger picture of what he's saying. And then we'll tie this into back to school Sunday and all of our kids and teachers and administrators who are going back to school. Second Corinthians is one of my favorite letters that Paul writes because it's the most intimate. He's the most vulnerable. He talks about his weakness and it's there when we learn where we learn that God's strength is made known, not when we're strong, not when things go well, but when we're weak and we're when we're at our worst. The, the letter opens in chapter one, talking about how God gives us comfort. And so we then can comfort others. And the reason he's talking about God comforting, because He was despairing. Paul was despairing of life itself. He felt like he had a death sentence, a target on his back and opposition and conflict and distress was at every turn. And and, and Paul's going to talk about all of that, but under the idea or in the context that God's ability is not to save us or keep us from getting Subjected to the ills of life. Where God's strength is shown in his ability to take the worst that the world can offer and somehow turn that into something that can be used for good. He will take Paul's suffering and his weakness and turn it into victory. So with today's text, he turns that corner and he's going to talk about triumph. So the text will be on the board, Second Corinthians, or on the screen, Second Corinthians, chapter uh, two, verses fourteen and fifteen. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing Him. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. Now, Paul, in this brief text, uses two different images. Both come from the Greek and Roman world, and uh, both are related. But the first image he uses is that of a Roman triumphal procession or or a parade. Uh, People in Paul's world would have known about these types of processions. Whenever a general or a king would come back from one of their military escapades and they were victorious. They would ride through the city in a victory parade. We do the same thing with our sports teams. Whenever they win the championship, then there's this huge parade for them. Go back one. uh, uh, There we go. Um, The next time you're in Rome or you can Google it, uh, that's the Ark of Titus. It's in the shadow of the Colosseum in Rome. And the Ark of Titus was built in the early 19, uh, the early 80s, 81, uh, to deify the Roman emperor Titus to celebrate his destruction of the city of Jerusalem in the year AD 70. Now, in addition to having this huge parade, what they would do is they would parade all the prisoners They would parade all of the soldiers and then, next slide, they would parade all of the spoils of their victory. 
And this is on the inside of the ark, if you're standing inside the ark and looking up on one of the panels, and you can see the golden candlestick, the menorah, the seven-branched candelabra that was in the temple that they took and were now carrying off as one of the spoils of victory. Well, there's a lot of discussion among the scholarly journals and, and, and commentaries as to whether Paul is referring to us as the prisoners who are taken captive, or are we the soldiers who are then marching on to victory? And there's ways to understand both of those. But given the context that Paul is emphasizing God's power to triumph over our weakness and the situation of our weakness, I personally take it to mean that God is leading us as soldiers in the triumphal procession. But it's not a triumphalist approach to the Christian life that sees everything we do as victory, but rather it's an opportunity for God to work through and in spite of our sufferings, our difficulties, and our challenges. Thank you. The next image that's related to the triumphal processional is that of fragrances, odors, smells, the aroma of Christ. Because these triumphal processions could not only be seen and heard, they could be smelled. Along the parade route or the processional route, there would be burning censers full of incense. And all of this cloud would fill the streets and the way and the pavement or the, 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 the paths. And, and as the armies and the prisoners would walk through, they would be enveloped with this odor of the incense. To the crowd, to the soldiers, it was a wonderful smell. To the prisoners, they knew that it was a smell that would ultimately lead in slavery at best, death most likely. Triumphal procession, smells, fragrances, and aroma. What does that have to do with back to school? Glad you asked. I knew that was on your mind, right? So as you guys start back to school, I want you to keep two things in mind. Number one, in Christ, you are a winner. It's not because you're perfect. It's not because you deserve to win. It's because Jesus won. And if you belong to Jesus, then you also are a winner. This doesn't mean that you don't have to study or do your best. Make every effort. It doesn't mean that you're going to ace every test, that you're going to get an A on every project. You're going to pass every grade. You're going to win every game. In the same way, it doesn't mean that we're going to be victorious over every circumstance of life. We've lived long enough now through COVID to know that good people and people who we might not consider good all die of COVID. We will all at some point be victims of disease, whether COVID, cancer, you name it. Hurricanes just don't hit bad cities, as has been preached on, unfortunately, on other places and other times. Hurricanes hit wherever the winds are leading. Wildfires don't ravage just evil places. They ravage good people's homes, whether in California or in Greece or wherever you are. Those changes in our climate seem to be affecting 
Economic downturns can affect everyone. You don't lose only the bad people at your job. Good people lose their jobs. Good people lose their homes. Uh, challenges are everywhere. And so in Christ we are winners, but that doesn't mean that we win in everything. It means that God's pri- triumphal procession began with Jesus and now will continue on and we get to join in in this triumphal procession. It means that uh, victory in Jesus or winning with God is not about grades, degrees, bank accounts, or anything you own. Jesus is a winner. And victory in Jesus is in spite of not being the most popular kid or the most popular person or be buying, be, by being betrayed by your friends, by suffering and being killed as a young man. Victory in Jesus is about being true to his identity, who he was, who he is, and what he looks like, and us modeling our lives after him. And that leads me to the second. You are, all of us are, witnesses of Jesus to the people around us. And the image of an aroma is, I think, particularly interesting. Smells are important. They penetrate our mind and bring to mind things. You know, you think about grandma's cooking, or you think about that bakery that you used to walk by, or they can also bring about uh, uh, negative memories and images as well. You don't have to ever see a skunk to know that there's been one close by. In fact, all the years that I've smelled skunks, I've never actually seen one. But it doesn't matter. You don't need to. Because that odor lingers. Just as good odors linger, so the ones that are not so nice also linger. And so how you smell is important. And we're not talking about perfume or cologne or deodorant. We're talking about the way we live and the way we act. How do we put into practice the knowledge of Christ that we have in our lives? We bring the presence of God with us everywhere we go. We can influence people for good or for bad even before we say a word. Michael Green is an author and an Anglican priest, and he tells of a missionary preparing to go to China. First day of language school, uh, the students are all gathered there. They've got their pens and their pencils ready to tackle Chinese. A lady walks in, walks up and down the rows, aisles, and walks out. About 15 minutes later, she comes back in. She introduces herself as the teacher. She said, now, what did you notice about me when I walked in? Most of them said, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, And then one kind of making a joke said, well, I I really liked your perfume. (laughs) And she said, you know, that's the point. That's what I wanted you to understand. Because before you ever get around to speaking Chinese well enough to share the gospel with anyone in China, before you get to that level, you can minister the sweet fragrance of Christ to the people by the quality of your lives. And now that we're wearing masks and we're limited because of COVID in our interaction with students and with people at school and all across the board, it's especially important that we focus on our behaviors 
as we think about being that good aroma to those around us this school year. So, kids, teachers, all of us, be especially kind and considerate to everyone, but ratchet it up when you see someone who's really not nice to you. Make sure that you are even nicer to the ones who aren't nice to you. If you see someone at school who doesn't look like they have any friends, pay attention to that and decide you're going to be their friend. Not a single kid should go through school without having someone to consider as their friend, and you could be that friend. If you see someone being made fun of or being bullied, you have a choice. You can either join in and you can bully and make fun of other kids, or you can say, you know what, I'm going to stand beside the kid who's being bullied, and I'm not going to take it, and he's not or she's not going to have to do this alone. Parents and adults, we can reach out to our child's teacher or to the school to see if we can provide for any school supplies. Most teachers I know spend money every year out of their own pocket to provide uh, different kinds of school needs, whether it be hand sanitizer, whether it be tissues, whether it be an extra uh, box of masks, whatever it might be, we can also uh, find ways to be a good aroma to our neighborhood school or to our children's school, to our grandkids' school, you can be a winner this year. Not because you deserve it, but because Jesus is a winner and we are invited to join him in this triumphal procession. And that second, we can be a witness. We can be a witness to God's goodness of the way that he has worked in our lives and the good things that he can bring, that we can share that he has brought to us. Now today we're going to do things a little bit differently. Um, we're going to we we have a video prepared where we want to recognize those kids who are beginning their school uh, journey, and so these are the children that are entering into first grade. We are also going to recognize all of our students and uh, teachers and uh, school staff. And so as we get to those slides, and I'm trying to think, I think Julie uh, invites you to stand, but I'll also make that invitation. Uh, Once you see your name on the screen and once that slide hits you, uh, please feel free to stand and then we will recognize you at the end. And then as we conclude, uh, um, one of our elders, Paul Schwepp, will come and lead us in prayer. Be a winner and be a witness and God will be glorified. Thank you. Each year, we celebrate the beginning of a new school year. By recognizing our school-aged children and our members who work in schools as teachers, administrators, and staff, we invite anyone in the assembly who is starting back to school this month to please stand, and we ask everyone to please keep them in your prayers throughout the school year. This is an important transition time for those children who are just beginning kindergarten. The transition back into the school year impacts all of these people, but it is especially significant for those who are in school for the first time. It is significant for parent and child alike who are adjusting to new levels of responsibility as the children begin their studies and new levels of interaction with other people as the children make new friends and are introduced to new authority figures in their lives. A gift was delivered to each of these children 
and we celebrate them today. Caleb Bencomo Cody Carroll Ashley Martinez Deras Alexa Melgar Elias Osorto Samantha Ruiz Mackenzie Satterberg Please join us as we pray for these children this morning and in the upcoming weeks and months. So as, uh, as, as a church, we ask this blessing uh, on all our back-to-school kids and their parents. We pray for you today at the beginning of your school year. We pray for your academic success. We pray that you'll study hard and learn all that you can from your teachers and your classmates. We pray that as you move through your time in school, you'll keep God at the center of your lives. We pray that you learn of God's great love for you and his desire for you to serve him. And parents, we pray for your strength, that you could model Christ to your children in all that you do. And as a church, we pray, we ask that you commit to support the spiritual growth of our children. And we ask you to continually pray for them and their parents and to seek them out, encourage them, and to love them and to mentor them. Thank you, Julie, for the program. And we certainly do wish the best of luck to all our uh, students, their parents, and the, our teachers here. We have a number of prayer requests this morning. Uh, Wayne and Luella Adams have uh, relocated back up to Connecticut. Uh, and Luella sent a note that Wayne hasn't been feeling well and asked for prayer. She was taken to the hospital this morning. Uh, the Doyles, is, uh, as folks know, uh, lost a grandson-in-law last week. And the funeral will be this coming weekend. We are certainly mindful of all those that, have, uh, that are in the path of Hurricane Ida. And so let's, let's go to our Father in prayer. Uh, dear Father in heaven, we, uh, we pray in a special way that you would be with our young people uh, as school gets going this year. Father, we pray for their success in school. Uh, we pray for their safety, for their physical well-being, for their emotional well-being. Uh, we are grateful for uh, those that have dedicated their lives to working in schools and teaching our children. Uh, and we know we have among our members... Uh, many whose uh, careers have been focused on teaching, and we pray blessings on them as they begin the school year. And Father, we know that it gets hectic with uh, moving kids around and uh, commutes and uh, dealing with the pressures of school. So we pray that you'd, you'd comfort and bring peace to those families that are involved in all that. And it's a particularly crazy time, and we pray that our, you'd keep our kids safe and calm. You'd help us as parents to do all that we can to protect, protect them and to add some uh, normality to their lives. Father, we uh, are really mindful this morning of those that uh, are getting ready uh, to feel the impacts of the storm and embracing for the storm. We know what that's like, and we pray that you give those people comfort and energy to get ready and that you keep people safe in that path. Father, help uh, guide us to know how best we can assist uh, in the wake of the storm to help people get back on their feet. Uh, we pray for the health of our brother Wayne, that you'd return him to his health. Father, we're 
so grateful for how you've blessed our congregation, uh, even through this time of COVID. And Father, we're grateful for our ministers, our staff, our members, and their dedication, their devotion to you, their commitment, uh, even in this difficult time. We pray, Father, you continue to be with us, guard our flock, protect each one here. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Praise the Lord, ye heavens adore Him. Praise Him, angels in the